La la live. Praise God. So, um, I suppose I'll wait to see if some people hop on here. If not, then I'm just going to say what I feel like I need to say to bring some clarification. The Bible says not to give place to the devil and uh, by no means do I wish to give place to the enemy. And oftentimes the enemy will try to work confusion because God is not the author of confusion. I'd also like to add that the Bible says that we are to rightly divide the word. And uh, any of these scriptures can be looked up by using the keywords or phrases. Now, I have a lot of the scripture with me right now, but there's a whole lot of Bible that I just didn't put together yet. But what I have is sufficient to make my point. So, this video, by the way, is in response to a post that I posted. And uh, the post that I posted said something to this effect. Believing in Jesus warrants obedience. So, there is this huge discussion, debate, controversy within the Christian sphere of what it really means to believe in Jesus. The Bible says that we need to believe in Jesus, that we need to have faith in Jesus. So the question becomes, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus or to put your faith in Jesus? A lot of people have been taught by people who don't know that all you have to do is believe in Jesus and accept him as your savior and receive him into your heart and then you're saved. That's a nice start. That's a good start. That's a good place to start. But that's not the whole picture. And that's not what the Bible says is the whole picture. That's only a part. So I want to talk about what the Bible says. When you're out here preaching the gospel or teaching the gospel, and somebody says to you, after hearing your word, after hearing the gospel, and after hearing you preach Jesus to them, and they're convicted, and they respond to you and say, well, you know what? Like, yo, yo, you're right, yo, you're right. What do I do? Or what shall I do? What am I supposed to do with what you just said? It's the wrong answer to tell them, oh, believe in Jesus in your heart and accept him into your heart and now you're saved. Pray this prayer with me. That is not the complete truth. That's only a part of it. Now, let me just add this. I don't want to step on nobody's toes. I don't know how you were raised as far as faith is concerned. I understand that everybody's on a different growth level in their faith. Everybody has a different measure of faith. I'm okay with that. I'm cool with that. What I aim to do is to meet you where you are and make sure that we are all on the same page, biblically speaking. This is the Bible. I'm not interested in who's right or who's wrong. I care about the truth. I don't care about what tradition teaches. And there's a lot of tradition that's mixed in with the truth that has absolutely nothing to do with the truth, that has no bearing with the truth. 
I want to focus on what the truth is. My prayer is that God would show us what the truth is. So, I'll no longer continue with my preliminary speech and get right to it. There is only one way that anyone can enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus very emphatically said in John chapter 3, verse 3, and John chapter 3, verse 5, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, he qualifies what it means to be born again. He explains, he gives further detail to what it means to be born again. John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven or enter into the kingdom of God. If you have not been born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The Bible clearly states that. In John chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus added to that to further validate, just in case we didn't get it with verse 3 and verse 5. He says in verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. It is not an option. It's not an added extra blessing. It's not something that you get or do if you feel like it after you believe. It was a command. Jesus told the apostles in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, teaching these disciples to obey everything that I commanded you. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, Jesus commanded his disciples that a man or woman must be born again. There is absolutely no other way. It's not just enough for you to say, oh, Jesus, I believe in you. Oh, Jesus, I receive you into my heart. That's not enough. There has to be obedience to the gospel. So, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born of the water and you must be born of the Spirit if you are going to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus began his ministry by preaching and teaching. The very first thing he said, his, his main idea, his theme, so to say, was repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And everything that Jesus said, taught, or did always went back around the idea of the kingdom being present. But it's not enough just to have the kingdom present. It's not enough for the kingdom of God to be here and to be around me. He said, if I want to enter into the kingdom of God, I must be born again of water and of the spirit. Yes, the kingdom can manifest. People can get healed. 
But that doesn't mean that you're in the kingdom. Yes, you can feel the spirit of God all around you. You can experience the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that you're saved. Unless a man or woman has been born again of water and of spirit, he or she cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm repeating myself a whole lot because I wanted to be clear. I, I Man, I want to communicate this. I don't want there to be room for confusion. Unless someone is born again, they cannot get into heaven. You can't get into heaven unless you're born again. So the question now is that we've understood the concept, one must be born again of water and of spirit. What does it mean to be born again? How can I be born again? What do I have to do to be born again? Is there something required of me? Yes, there is. There's, let me, let me put it this way. There's confusion about what it means to believe in Jesus. Faith in Christ warrants obedience. That means you do what Jesus told you to do. That's faith in Christ. If you don't do what Jesus told you to do, then your faith is dead. Do you want a chance going to heaven with dead faith? Do you want a chance standing before the Son of Man on Judgment Day with dead faith? Why? Why? Why chance it? Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, Verse 15, preach the gospel to every creature. Then in verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What is so hard to understand about that? He that believeth and is baptized shall be, shall be saved. Obviously, when the Bible says to put your faith in Christ, to call on the name of Jesus, yes, that's right. But this verse shows you that there is something else to just believing in Jesus. There's something you have to do. You must be born again. That's why Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes what? The gospel. He that believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. And he goes on in chapter 16, verse 17 of Mark, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. Tongues is a sign of a believer. It's an evidence of someone that believes. It's a work. It's something that is done by the believer through the empowerment of God by his grace to show that your faith is valid or alive. I have Bible for that. So the question is, how can I be born again? What does it mean to be born again? Jesus explained that to his disciples. Right before he went back to heaven, before he ascended, he explained that. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. After the resurrection, 
Jesus is instructing his disciples before he ascends back to the Father. And he's saying this, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, which is singular in the scripture, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Jesus said, teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He didn't say preach baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He didn't say repeat after me, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are titles. Titles that represent God's relationship to man. There is only one God, and his name is Jesus. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we can be saved. Jesus is the name of God. Jehovah, which means Jesus is salvation, or something to that effect. Don't quote me. I might have messed that one up. So, the name is Jesus. The fact that he told them to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost shows them who he is. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. One name, three relationships in which he manifested himself to mankind. Not three gods, not three gods that make up one God, not three gods in one God. No, one God. Deuteronomy 6, 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's one God. His name is Jesus. And in Matthew 28, 19, he wasn't showing them that he was three gods, that he was the Father, one separate God, the Son, one separate God, and the Holy Ghost, another separate God, three gods that make up one God, which in reality, if you do the math, is four gods. That's not what he was saying. The apostles understood what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, I am the one true God, and my name is Jesus. Baptize in the name of the Father, which is Jesus, in the name of the Son, which is Jesus, in the name of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. That's what he was saying, and that's exactly what the apostles did. They did not repeat after Jesus, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Look at what Peter did. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after the Holy Ghost fell, Peter told the, the people that heard his message when they were pricked in their heart. Look at it. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. They were pricked in their heart and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them in response to their question, I'm pricked in my heart. I'm convicted by your message. You're right. We crucified the Messiah, the promised one that was supposed to come and help us. We crucified him. We betrayed him into the hands of Pilate. We did this. The sin is on us. What shall we do? Peter said this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter preached the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised up again. And in response to the gospel, when they asked them, what do we do? We believe you, but what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without remission of sins, how can you enter into the kingdom? How can you get into a kingdom that's holy and you got sin stains all over your robe? How can you go to the wedding and you've got a stained wedding garment and you've not been washed in the blood of Jesus through baptism? where the blood is applied, when you call on the name. That's what the Bible means in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, when it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And further on in the chapter, if you call on the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Yes, that's absolutely true. I'm, I'm bearing witness. That's not wrong. But there's something more to that. There's a qualifying factor to what it means to believe in the name. And to believe in the name means to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And to obey the gospel means to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And it means to receive the Holy Ghost, like he said. Case in point. Faith warrants obedience. The apostles, disciples, they believed in Jesus. What did Jesus tell them? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But he said, Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. I'm going to send you the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Ghost. I'm sending the Holy Ghost, and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost, but go and wait for the promise. They didn't just walk around saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Father. You're going to give us the Holy Ghost and stay on the Mount of Olives. They obeyed his command and they went and waited for the promise. And the promise came. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. This is what that means. You have, you have to do something. There's something that has to be done. There has to be a response. There has to be an action on your part in response to the gospel message that validates your faith, that shows you believe. Saying, I believe in Jesus. You have to do more than just say, I believe in Jesus. You have to obey what Jesus said. Let me point out a very popular scripture that people use to try to say you don't have to be baptized to be saved, which is wrong. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let me take you to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I'd like to show you something. The same verse that people use to say, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Let me show you what, let me show you what the Bible says. This is what people leave out. Not rightly dividing the word. 
It's a few scriptures, so bear with me. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's true. But that's just one part to what it means to believe. For with the heart man believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, this is true. But keep reading. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Romans chapter 10 verse 16. Listen. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Faith without works is dead. And I don't mean the works of the law. I'm not talking about don't eat pork. I'm not talking about don't commit murder. You cannot earn salvation. That's not what the Bible means here when it says faith without works is dead, especially pertaining to salvation. You cannot earn salvation. The Bible is very clear. Let me quote it to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For ye are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. That's what the Bible says. You can't earn it. But obeying what Jesus said isn't earning salvation. Doing what he commanded isn't earning salvation. Getting baptized in the name of Jesus is not a work that you do on your own to get you salvation or to earn salvation. Getting baptized is something that you do because you believe and it validates your faith. Faith without works is dead. If you believe and you heard that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, but you don't get baptized in Jesus' name, your faith is questionable in the court of God's law because he's going to bring the Bible out to judge every action. But I could go on and on and on with scriptural examples of why believing in Jesus requires you and I to take action. The second birth has two parts to it. Being born of the water and being born of the Spirit. The new birth, being born again, whatever you want to call it, it has two parts. Your entrance into the kingdom 
has two parts. You must be born of water and of spirit. Being born of water and of spirit is validation that your faith is alive. It speaks. It credits your faith. The Bible says that Abraham worked, that he was justified by his works. Was he trying to obey the law? No. The law wasn't given yet. His work was a response to his faith in God. And it was his work that justified him. And in the same fashion, we are not under the law. You cannot earn salvation by works. But you have to obey what Jesus said. And that's called a work. Works has two meanings. In response to salvation, what you do, obeying the command of Jesus, that's a work. That's The Bible calls that a work. And then there's the work of the law. I am not saying that the work of the law or following the law earns you salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that the Bible clearly differentiates between the two ways that the word work is used, clearly implied by the context. I'm just merely pointing that out because it needs to be pointed out. Obviously, you can't deny that James said faith without works is dead. For anybody, by the way, that wishes to have all the scripture to this, I have a seven-page Word document detailing what I'm telling you. And it's all scripture showing you from the Bible you dig? I ain't mad at nobody. I'm responsible. Knowing what the gospel is. Knowing what the message is. Knowing what the truth is. And if I have any doubt in my mind that there's confusion, then I'm going to clarify that with the word of God. So let me recap. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to enter into the kingdom, you got to be born again. Point blank, period. And if someone's telling you, you don't have to be born again, you don't have to be baptized, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost, they're lying to you. Because that's not what the Bible shows us. That's not the example that we see in the Bible. Why don't we do what the Bible says and not what people are saying who have no idea what they're talking about? And... I don't want to belittle whoever. If somebody told you that and they lied to you, man, you know what? They might not have known that they've been lied to. They might not realize that they're out here lying to people, deceiving people. They might not know. They might be teaching with a genuine heart. Except there's a problem. They're not teaching what the Bible teaches. So, you have to be born again of water and of spirit. That means you must be baptized. Acts 2.38 you must receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's a whole other Bible study. How tongues is related to the Holy Ghost and how tongues is related to receiving the Spirit. How tongues is the initial evidence that lets you know that the Spirit of God is there. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 8, speaking of those who are born of the Spirit, the wind blows where it wants to and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's going or where it's coming from. He said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. 
there's wind and there's sound. Sound lets you know that the wind is there because you can't see the wind. The sound is what Jesus said, validates the wind. You have the same symbology and imagery again in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And on, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house. And right afterwards, the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wind, sound. Spirit, tongues. Tongues is a sign that the Spirit is there, that you have received the Spirit, or else you wouldn't know that you've received the Spirit. That's why tongues is a sign. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. Tongues is a sign that you've had faith. Faith in what? The gospel, that you've received the Holy Ghost. That's not the only place in scripture where it says that. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Read the story for yourself. It, it has a lot of context, a lot of good stuff. But for the sake of time, read Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48. Peter is sent to the Gentiles. Peter knows the gospel, right? He's been given the keys to the kingdom, right? Jesus said that in Matthew. Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. That's why Peter was the one that preached the first message on the day of Pentecost when they received the Holy Ghost, when they received the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit revealed to him what the keys were. The new birth. Acts 2.38. That's what Peter taught. That's the new birth. That's the key to get into the kingdom. A key gets you in. Hello? The key gets you in. The key to get into the kingdom is Acts 2.38. It's the new birth. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Ghost. And you know you have the Holy Ghost because you've spoken in other tongues. Back to the scripture. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48. I'm going to read it to you. Because I got it right here. This is important. And then there's one, one other section of scripture. my Lord. Uh, 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 here it is. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48. Now, look at what the Bible says. Verse 44, while Peter yet spake, let me catch you up. Peter has been sent to the Gentiles miraculously because Cornelius was a believer. He was the Gentile. The Bible says that he was a devout man. The Bible says he prayed much. Much alms was given. He probably saved his whole house. The Bible doesn't say, but I'm speculating here because his whole house believed with him. The Bible says that the man prayed so much and did so many good works that his works and prayers came before God as a memorial. The man had works, but they didn't save him. He needed to hear the gospel and obey it. Which is what the angel was telling Cornelius, go to, go to Joppa and ask for someone named Simon Peter. He's going to tell you what you need to do. So Peter goes. He preaches the gospel. It was, see, it wasn't enough for him to pray and believe. He believed in God. He believed in Jesus. 
or else he wouldn't have done those things. He believed, but he had to be born again. He was not in the kingdom. So God said, yo, I mess with you. Let me show you how to get in. And he sent an angel to have him go get Peter so Peter can tell him what to do. Why? Because Peter has the keys. So this is where we pick up. Peter is preaching the gospel to the Gentiles who believed in Jesus but were not yet in the kingdom of God. Watch what happens. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost... <laughs> fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered and said, Can any man forbid, forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Remember, when they received the Holy Ghost, they received the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And now the Gentiles have also received the Holy Ghost, just like the apostles, and when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in other tongues. How did the Jews that were with Peter know that the disciples who Peter was preaching to, received the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. So you see, tongues was evidence or proof or a sign that these Gentiles had now received the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what more can I say? What, what more can I say? My God, help me, Jesus, because I know Shatarababe. What more can I say to that? What the Bible already says. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that everybody that hears your word, the Bible, that it would be granted to them to see what your word clearly says. Father, anyone who has scales in front of his or her eyes to where the gospel is hidden from them, I pray let those scales be removed that they might see. Grant them sight, God, in the name of Jesus and pluck up every root of deception and blow away with your spirit every cloud of darkness that would withhold people from the truth. The gospel, the gospel, Acts chapter 10, 44 through 48, you have the gospel in action. Peter preaching the gospel. They're responding to the gospel. How? They received the Holy Ghost. How do you know? They spoke in tongues. That's how the Jews knew, hey, they received the Holy Ghost. We hear them speaking in tongues. After they received the Holy Ghost, Peter said, yo, They've already got the Holy Ghost. Can we forbid water that these should not be baptized? John chapter 3 verse 5. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. God wanted Cornelius in the kingdom. So he sent him a messenger to preach the gospel. 
and to show him how to be born again. And that's exactly what happened in this scenario. New birth. The gospel was preached. They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. They responded. They obeyed the gospel by being baptized in the name of Jesus. The fact that they received the Holy Ghost showed that they believed. It was a sign that they believed. And tongues let them know that the Holy Ghost was there. There's one more example where you see the gospel being played out like that. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is what the Bible means by rightly dividing the word. I've given you a slew of scriptures from all over the Bible that shows you this is what it means. This is the picture. We got to put all the pieces together. Let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Now, this is not Peter. This is Paul. Pay attention. Pay, pay attention because I'm going to break it down. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show. I'm going to point out some things. Let me read the Bible. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. The Bible calls these people disciples. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? They were believers, they were disciples, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Listen to how they received the Holy Ghost. The word of God is true. It speaks for itself. Verse 3. They, they, verse 2. They said, we have not heard so much whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now this is the new international street version, the NISV. What they're saying is, we ain't never heard of a Holy Ghost. We never knew that there was such thing as a Holy Ghost. That's what they're saying. We didn't know. We have no idea. So Paul probes further and says, well, then how were you baptized? Let me read it to you. I'll read it. Verse 3. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, when they heard the gospel, they were baptized in the name of the, of G, of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Paul preached the gospel. These people that he's preached the gospel to, they were believers in Jesus and they were called disciples, but they were not yet in the kingdom of God. They had to enter into the kingdom of God. They were baptized wrong or, or not wrong. They were not up to date in their baptism and they needed to be baptized again. So that's what happened. Paul preached the gospel. He brought them up to date. There are disciples and believers out there. You're not in the kingdom. 
because you haven't been born again, according to the Bible. You've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, and you've not received the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues. Man, look, I'm not saying that to try to belittle you, belittle your faith, or to down you. I'm not saying that to say there's something wrong with you, if this describes you. I'm not saying that. You're a believer. Yes, my God, you believe in Jesus. You're a disciple. You're a student of the word. You believe, you follow with the revelation that you have. What I'm saying is there's more to what, to what you have. There's more that can be added to your faith. Your faith is not yet complete because there's something missing. How many times, man, have I heard people talking to me? They're saying that I feel like there's more and come to find out they've not been born into the kingdom and God's used me to lead them into the kingdom through the new birth, being born of water and of the spirit, being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I have witnesses right now that can testify from their own experience that this is so. Aside from the fact that I am a witness, I was preached the gospel. I believed in Jesus, but I wasn't born again. Somebody taught me that I have to be baptized in Jesus' name and I have to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I didn't fight them. I didn't say, well, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, no, I believe in Jesus. But I didn't do that. I gladly received the word. I gladly received the revelation and said, oh, word? Well, if that's what I got to do to get into heaven, I'm down. And I believed. And I obeyed. And I was baptized in Jesus' name. Bars. <laughs> Sorry, I had to break tension, right? And I received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Greatest day of my life. And this is what I preach. Not what I was told by man, but what I received by my own experience. Which is what's in the Bible. So, if you're watching and you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, and you've not received the Holy Ghost, and spoken in tongues, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus. Hit me up. I'll get you connected. I've connected many people that have been baptized in the name of Jesus and have received the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues, exactly like the Bible shows us. So please, man, I, I don't want you to take this as an attack. I know I'm hyped right now. Please excuse me. This is Peter in me coming out. It's not the Apostle John. What you're getting right now is not the beloved. This is that Peter in me. Because I'm passionate about the gospel and what it means. I, want, I don't want it to be said to me when I stand before Almighty God that I didn't preach the gospel to everybody. That I didn't clarify. I don't want there to be no shadow of doubt in my heart. That I've clarified the gospel. This is that. Right here. John chapter 3 verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 5. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit... He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Then Peter said unto them, 
in response to their question, men and brethren, what shall we do? After we've heard the gospel, how do we respond? How do we obey the gospel? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Not titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Not I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No. In the name of Jesus. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you'll know you have the Holy Ghost because you'll hear yourself speaking in tongues. And you will bear witness to a sign. God gave us a sign to make it clear so that there is no room for the enemy to come and deceive or confuse. God bless you. God bless you. I hope, I hope you heard. I hope you investigate this yourself. If you're one of those that, you know, you've not obeyed the new birth, you're not baptized in Jesus' name, and you've been told that you don't have to, for the sake of your soul, open that case back up and reinvestigate prayerfully what the Bible says. God revealed the truth to you. Grace be with you all, and peace from our Father, in Jesus' name.